It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the headline this week, rolling into the 24th of July holiday, of course, is on pioneers and that pioneering spirit. We're going to go beyond the headline to the Mormon Battalion. It's the 175th anniversary of the start of that Mormon Battalion, 500 Latter-day Saints that traveled all the way from Kansas to San Diego, California. And look at why, why in the world, 175 years later, are we still talking about the Mormon Battalion? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, not a lot of people understand the depth of the Mormon battalion, what they did, who they were, and why they mattered. We had the opportunity to sit down uh, with uh, Greg Christofferson, who heads the Mormon Battalion Association, and uh, Martin Pond, a composer. We'll come back to Martin in just a moment. And then Elder D. Todd Christofferson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, there'll also be a special airing of, with our friends from KSL-TV on Friday at the 10 o'clock news. Dan Rascone uh, was also part of this crucial conversation. And as we sat down and began the discussion, uh, I asked Greg Christofferson to just give us a sense of, one, why this 175th anniversary, uh, what it's all about. More importantly, what was the influence of the Mormon Battalion, not just on the church and on this region of the country, but on the United States as a whole? This month is the end of the 175th anniversary of the Mormon Battalion's enlistment, which began in July of 1846 in Council Bluffs, Iowa, and their enlistment ended in July of 1847 in Los Angeles, California. And then the battalion members made their way back to the valley and from there uh, briefly stayed and then from there went back to their families, which were still waiting for them either in Iowa or along the trail somewhere. The Mormon battalion was only enlisted for one year, and yet here we are today still talking about them. They had such an outsized influence on church history, Western history, and United States history. They were enlisted as the only battalion that all the members were of one religion in the history of the country, and they became part of the 2,400-men Army of the West in the war with Mexico. And so their purpose was to create a wagon road, basically from Tucson to uh, Southern California. The idea being that if the United States could prove that they could create a wagon road, then they could support an army in the field. Elder D. Todd Christofferson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ explained why the Mormon Battalion was important for the Church of Jesus Christ at the time. But also for the Church, it was a, a kind of a financial godsend at a critical moment. As you know, when the, when the saints were preparing to make the trek from winter quarters onto what became the Salt Lake Valley, or known as the Salt Lake Valley, they were really starved for 
funds and resources to do that. Brigham Young sent an emissary to President James Polk, offering to build forts at different spots along the Oregon Trail as a way of raising funds to, to finance this venture onto uh, the Great Basin. Polk countered with the idea of, of uh, 500 men to join the Army and serve in the war with Mexico that was just beginning. And so that's the uh, path that things took. Greg Christofferson uh, said that at first, uh, the men of the Church of Jesus Christ did not want to sign up until they received a personal appeal from President Brigham Young. Captain James Allen uh, was sent by the president to enlist the battalion. And as he went to the first few settlements, Garden Grove, Mount Pisgah, nobody signed up. Uh, in fact, there was a lot of animosity towards the government. But by then, Brigham Young had heard about what had happened and so he, about the enlistment opportunity. And so he and Heber C. Kimball and Wilder Richards, the first presidency, traveled to each of these encampments and basically encouraged the men to sign up as, as a, a priesthood responsibility, as it were. And so hearts were changed. I asked Elder D. Todd Christofferson how the Mormon battalion served as a model for how faith groups and government can come together to make a difference, even if they begin with a lack of trust, how they can actually build that to do something that matters. It's interesting, the interaction between the U.S. government and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at that period. For the church, the government had been primarily a big disappointment. They had not enforced the laws. They had not protected the people in their rights. They had not protected them in their property. They had not done hardly anything to restore their losses and the property and so on. Basically, the the uh, church had lost faith in what government could do, and that was one of the reasons Joseph Smith chose to run for president, that he could perhaps put some backbone <laughs> in government uh, to give people their rights and defend them in their rights. So it wasn't a, a warm relationship by any means by 1846. Elder Christofferson then went on to explain how the church and the government came together and worked together. When the government came to ask for uh, troops, 500 men, a battalion to serve and represent the country in a, or work with the army, as you, I guess I would say, to defend the country in the Mexican War, it was greeted by many members uh, not very uh, enthusiastically. Let me back up a bit. When Brigham Young offered to the President of the United States, James K. Polk, to build forts, a series of forts along the Oregon Trail as they went across the country, across the plains, Polk had a, an idea rather than that to have them provide a battalion of men in the Army. and. He says in his journal, this is Polk, privately, that he was willing to uh, involve members of the church in some fashion that he thought would benefit the country, but primarily for the purpose to keep them from being hostile, them becoming enemies once they left the territory of the United States and established themselves in the West. Elder Christofferson said that both sides, both government and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, had to put forth effort. Uh, and because they did, because they were willing to do that hard work and heavy lifting together, they had a tremendous impact on society and on the nation. 
you see there an example, a very interesting example, <laughs> of faith-based organizations working with government. And though there wasn't much trust at the outset because of, of goodwill on both sides, but primarily the church being willing to swallow some of the deep disappointments and abuses that they had suffered in the past, was able to establish a, a positive relationship. And I think that's, well, that's maybe not the kind of thing we're going to be facing today or in the future exactly. It's a good example of the way government and civil society, especially faith-based civil organizations, can work together to benefit all of society. Uh, I love that model uh, in terms of faith-based organizations and government coming together to benefit society, uh, which really was part of the big story, I think, of the Mormon Battalion that we often don't talk about. Elder Christopherson went on to say that there's a, a lot to learn from the Mormon Battalion, things that we can learn, things that we can apply today. Well, it's a tremendous manifestation of faith. I talked about it as being faith-filled and faith-based the sacrifices they made, what they accomplished against uh, tremendous odds all along the way, different experiences they had, uh, physical obstacles they had to overcome by labor, just hard labor. When they walked into San Diego at the end, one of the people uh, there uh, recorded they were barefoot, nearly naked, and a lot of them were sick. They really gave their all. They laid it all on the altar, to, so to speak, to accomplish what they did accomplish. 175-year anniversary celebrating the Mormon Battalion. When we come back, we're going to stay with the question just a little bit longer. So many lessons to learn, and there's a special event coming up on Sunday, July the 24th at 7 p.m. in the Tabernacle, where a special symphonic piece has been commissioned. Composer Marden Pond will join us for some comment, uh, along with more from Greg Christofferson from the Mormon Battalion Association and Elder D. Todd Christofferson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And whether you know much about the Mormon Battalion or not, uh, this event on Sunday evening, uh, you will walk away inspired with great understanding of the impact, again, not just on the Church of Jesus Christ, but on the nation as a whole. Stay with us. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. We're staying with the conversation just a little bit longer as we talk about the Mormon Battalion, 175 years uh, in the making there, uh, ended their enlistment 175 years ago uh, with the U.S. Army in its war with Mexico. Uh, we recently had the opportunity, in conjunctions with our friends at KSL-TV, to sit down with Elder D. Todd Christofferson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, happens to be his brother Greg Christofferson, who's the president of the Mormon Battalion Association, and Martin Pond, uh, an award-winning composer, uh, to talk about not only the events and why we're still talking about the battalion 175 years later, but also a special event coming up this Sunday, July the 24th, 7 p.m. in the Tabernacle. It is really a Ken Burns-style uh, performance. Barden Pond has put just some extraordinary music together. There'll be narration uh, and images that uh, will inspire you. And again, whether uh, you have followed the battalion over your life or whether it's brand new, you'll learn something. You'll come away inspired in many ways. And so we talked with uh, Greg Christofferson, uh, again, president of the Mormon Battalion Association, uh, about the events of this year and what they've been doing to commemorate and celebrate this extraordinary achievement. We started planning for this year a few years ago. There were four major goals that we had for this year. The first was to complete 
a research project which uh, had been uh, funded by a generous donation to determine exactly who was in the battalion for sure. And we've now connected that into family search. The second and third major goals of the year had to do more with historical sites associated with the Mormon battalion and preservation of those trails. The second was to create a brochure that's being used at church historic sites and by the U.S. Park Service along the route. So if you're driving the route, you can you can look at it, you can see. Also on mormonbattalion.com, we have the complete route that you can just follow that way as well uh, on Google Earth. Uh, the third project was what we did in, in, uh, San, Diego. in San Diego. It was a tripartite effort. It was the Mormon Battalion Association, the Oregon-California Trails Association, which is the oldest association in the country dedicated to the identification and preservation of immigrant trails. And the final event, as I mentioned earlier, is a concert to be held in the Tabernacle this Sunday, 7 p.m., and that's July 24th. Sunday evening at 7 o'clock in the Tabernacle, uh, we had commissioned for this year a, a musical piece honoring the battalion. Emmy Award composer Marden Pond uh, wrote a wonderful piece. It's in 10 different uh, musical vignettes, I guess you could say, interspersed with narration and uh, images projected, and you get the story of the battalion in music and narration. And Elder Christofferson will give opening remarks, and that will be Sunday night at 7 o'clock in the Tabernacle, and it's free. You don't need to pass or anything. You can just come. The composer for the project, Martin Pond, is brilliant, uh, just extraordinary. And we were able to chat with him a little bit about uh, what he has created, how he went about it, and he explained the kind of experience he's hoping to give people who attend that uh, concert and event on Sunday evening. Well, hopefully give them a, an enjoyable artistic experience. I find that it, especially in music and you're dealing with history, you can approach it usually in one of two ways. One is to do kind of a folk representation, which uh, in this case might include guitar and, and banjo and tambourine. Or uh, as a composer, I like to do what I consider to be a, a fine art or epic presentation where perhaps through the music the people are bigger than they may have been in real life, but the emotion you feel because of that comes through the music. Uh, we'll be performing with an orchestra of about 20 to 21 people. Um, there will be uh, 10 movements in this work with narration interspersed between the movements. And uh, the narrators uh, are all people with wonderful voices. I happen to be in a family with some of those, so you'll see that name a couple of times. But uh, the voices were chosen because of the color of uh, what they could bring. Elder Christofferson uh, made some very uh, powerful comments in terms of uh, what was experienced along the way, physical difficulties, emotional challenges, just that uh, wondering where we are, where we're going, a uh, really interesting perspective. And it was uh, basically a 2,100-mile march, really a march for most of them. And it wasn't friendly terrain in all places. Some places it was flat, but they had to, they had to build passages and roadways. They were, part of their commission was to establish a road to the west, an opening to California. And that, uh, that was road construction yeah. in some places. Yeah. Uh, Chipping away at the rocks. Over hills and yeah. uh, you know, through yeah. passes, passages. And uh, it was, as Greg mentioned, a lot of times without adequate food and sometimes even without water. 
from time to time. So they had that. They had illness, of course, that comes when you're in a weakened condition. Elder Christopherson also said that perhaps their greatest contribution was actually their example. Brigham Young had said to them when they began to not act like a conquering army. You know, don't uh, abuse people or their goods or their property. You know, respect people, treat them decently. Many conquering armies don't. They do just the opposite, as you know, and we see that even in modern times. But Company B of the battalion was only there four months, but they were so devoted to building up the community. They whitewashed buildings. They created a brick kiln, produced 40,000 bricks for buildings, civic buildings, and, and lining wells so that they could dig them deep enough that they would provide water all year long. One of the one of the observers said they did more to convince people of the benefit of having Americans in this part of the world than uh, a host of bayonets yeah. could do. <laughs> so that example of goodness, of uh, good men, faithful men, Christian men, disciples of the Savior in their conduct, transformed opinions and, and the country. And nothing is more powerful than an example and the impact that uh, those members of the battalion had, again, in helping uh, bricks for public buildings in San Diego and other places, building those roads, uh, and just showing what good people could do by doing good. It wasn't about what they had to say, and it wasn't about the bayonets or the guns. Uh, it was the power of example that really mattered. Interesting, uh, President of the Mormon Battalion Association, Greg Christofferson, uh, talk to us about how important these men became in really colonizing and expanding the rest of the West and many of those settlements. Brigham Young relied on these men after in colonizing the Great Basin. Uh, many of these veterans of the battalion were those who were sent out to lead different company groups of people to colonize places. And then finally, uh, Greg Christofferson also laid out a little bit of what he hoped people would expect as they come to this event Sunday evening at 7 o'clock in the Tabernacle. The movements of the piece that Martin has, has written, has created, uh, each one has a flavor to it of a particular event or series of events the battalion is going through. And then interspersed will be narration uh, from journals, from Cook's Journal from many of the battalion journals and other observers, and we'll have images that help to reinforce that. If someone came to the tabernacle at 7 o'clock on Sunday night, the 24th, and really didn't know anything about the battalion, they would leave an hour later with an understanding of what the battalion was and did. I think that they would have a real sense. The music is interpretive, it's uplifting. I think that the story is told very well through the narration and the pictures. Uh, a person would have a really good understanding of the battalion's mission and accomplishments and a sense of what it was all about and why, again, 175 years later, we're still talking about uh, a group that was only enlisted for a year. Finally, I asked Elder Christofferson uh, the therefore what question. What does he hope people walk away with uh, as they attend this event on Sunday evening? I would hope people would take away a fresh appreciation for what was accomplished by this small group that had such an outsized influence, both in the church and in the country, or an appreciation. I think a lot of people won't have had any appreciation, frankly. Uh, they haven't had any uh, knowledge or really understanding, only a vague concept that there was such a thing as the Mormon Battalion. So I'm hoping they'll take away, as Greg has said, a, a basic understanding of what they did, 
what was accomplished, what they experienced, and an appreciation for that. And maybe some added courage in their own lives to, to step up and do things that really matter, even though they might be hard. A big thanks to uh, Greg Christofferson from the Mormon Battalion Association, Martin Pond, an extraordinary composer who put the pieces together that uh, you'll hear on Sunday evening, and then Elder D. Todd Christofferson of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So many lessons 175 years after the battalion uh, that we can still apply today, whether it's faith-based groups working with government, whether it's good people doing good things, uh, and just recognizing that we are all in this together. And when we link arms, uh, we actually can do the extraordinary. So again, check that out Sunday evening, 7 p.m. at the Tabernacle, an extraordinary symphony uh, and an experience, uh, really a Ken Burns style experience that will uh, get you ready for your 24th of July experience as well. All right, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. More to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.